Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. We're basically going to go back in time and talk about two things. One is we're talking about what was the order of things that happened with the Tamelor and Meller War in the, in the Tritank game Fringeworthy. But we're also talking about have these worlds recovered? Should What should you expect when you go out onto the fringe paths and find them? Because as a result of this Meller to Meller war, the entire Commonwealth, as it was known, collapsed. And so when people go in the Fringeworthy game, when they start going out on the fringe paths to go into contact with various worlds, they don't find very many high-tech worlds. So the question is, is there just no high-tech worlds left? Or are they hiding somewhere? What's going on? Because well, you know well, there are height like expo worlds and the worlds like there's food processing worlds. There's high tech, but I mean, it, they, it's not a high tech culture. The expo right. worlds. About, uh, yeah. Yeah. High tech civilization. Right. The expo okay. worlds are like abandoned mall worlds, I guess would be the best way to describe them. And the food processing worlds are like, yes. This entire Earth is dedicated to growing bananas. They right. altered the weather, yeah, or or rye or whatever, you know. Right, and since there's nobody coming to take the stuff, basically they have this humongous warehouse. On one end, they put in fresh crates of stuff, and on the other end, they're basically dragging crates out and and mulching it up and putting it back on the fields. Yeah. So the the stuff never actually gets anywhere. It just goes to this constant recycling. Yeah. Okay. So let's so going back around a thousand years ago, uh, the Tamelaran Commonwealth. We're not quite sure how long it actually lasted. We we got a number of different numbers from uh, TriTac. Originally, it was supposed to have gone on for about a million years. Uh, we basically, in the last edition, said, no, no, that's too long. Well, we do, uh, well, we do know that it finally ended a thousand years ago. So these, exactly. com- these Commonwealth that's- worlds have been going along, the ones that survived, have gone along for a thousand years, and they've, like, they've done things like, and, and we've seen this in the worlds, where like, oh, they just walled off the portal, or you come through the portal and there's weapons Weapons all pointed at you, you know, like like in um, weapon emplacements, right. or because they or and and like people from the fringe paths, excuse me, are considered like mythical. Right, right. So yeah, there's a lot of things that could happen on the other side of that portal, uh, on the world side of the portal, and that's what we're going to talk about about what what happened. Okay, so we need to talk a little bit first about what what it was like to be on a member world of the Commonwealth. Okay. The first thing we need to talk about is the big system. Yes. Can you explain what that is, Trav? Okay. Now, for you fringeworthy fans, yes, you have the fringe paths. These wonderful con, these wonderful biotech constructs that breach dimensions, and each platform and each pathway are its own dimension. Well, the fringe paths, as wonderful as they are, those are the Jeffrey's backdoor tubes of the Commonwealth. The big system, you could transport from what I've heard, a planet from one dimension to another. 
it was that massive of an undertaking that the Termellon made. And any, you know, commerce was, if you, you think anything in the fringe paths, if you shut off, you know, the fringe-worthy filter, the electrical, or electrical, magnetic, and radioactive filter, and people could pass freely. Imagine the commerce that could go on with a, pl with a system that could transport planets. Just the amount of commerce, trade, and transportation with this big system was just mind-boggling. Yeah, it essentially was all the transport, you know, all the... Uh, the resource supplying in the entire system, okay? You didn't go on, if you were a Tumelloran citizen, you did not go onto the fringe pass to get to where you wanted to go. You just simply said, you, or, um, uh, or typed into a thing, I want to go here, and bam, you were there, because the big system would just basically grab you and send you to where you needed to go. Uh, you could grow all you needed to have your dinner, or you could say, I want... You know a uh, you know you know four stars you know dinner from this restaurant or whatever like that, and it would be instantly delivered in front of you. Everything from the big you said planet size all the way down to microscopic uh, resources that were that were needed for various machineries and and manufacturing, all were transported using this big system. Uh, there might be local sourcing, but that was, you know, primarily either because they wanted to do it that way. They wanted a local flavor. And they wanted to say, oh, only made with, org you know, non-transported organic materials, okay? Yeah, or, instead of GMOs, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, non-transported <laughs> right. objects, yeah. Or because the world itself wasn't at, at the soup wasn't uh, at the super high tech level that you know that was in the commonwealth they had recently come into joining the commonwealth so they still had plenty of this stuff going on around it people still needed to were still working through the idea that they were gods now and that anything that they wanted was available to them so they were at client status they didn't yeah. have they just had one of the three um characteristics needed to become a full member of the commonwealth one or two not all three yeah right. okay yeah. but you know, the point still was is that the you know they if you you can't you can't just take a culture like that and suddenly just say okay now you don't have to work now every you know money means nothing anymore because that's going to cause the entire culture to crash right yeah because there's you know there's they don't know how to to get stuff and and to trade for things and the things that they have you know does that mean everything they have is worthless how yeah. do you the Termellers had the ethics to bring new cultures in. Okay, you were at the first step. Right. The Commonwealth will guide you to get to the steps where we are, but we have to do it this way because we tried doing it the way you want to do it, and these worlds are now, you know, no more. So we're, you're going to go the baby step route, and you will see when it's all done, you will appreciate how we're doing this for you and why. So Right. So, you know, I mean, it, at the same time, they're being gifted more and more from the Commonwealth because that's what they're trying to do is integrate. So, yeah. you know, the first thing that happens is everybody gets universe, you know, gets, uh, you know, uh, immortality drugs they get whatever treatments they need to now be immortal they they get um you know uh, clean limitless uh, energy you know clean limitless yeah. energy right you know all the all the big things that normally takes a you know a giant infrastructure to handle you know they 
as long as they you know, they still let people administer this, but really the fact is that it all be done with AI, and they slowly work them to the place where they're on a parity with the rest of the Commonwealth, where people just ask for things. Yeah. Okay. Now there are some things that do require a lot of resources, and that's when we refer to like a Tamelon getting its funding. That's like somebody getting funding. Well, as in case we 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 use somebody got funding to break basically create a world. That was that was the level which funding matters. Anything yeah. less than that, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's a hobby. I'm just going to go do it. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to request the resources I need, and it'll show up in you know relatively short period of time, and we'll just go ahead and do it. But for big things, then yeah, you might have to get. It might take a little bit of time before you're allowed. To yeah, do it. like yeah, I want to terraform this one Earth, which is otherwise uninhabitable, and create basically do a Star Trek Genesis device thing for oh, I just picked out this world, nobody's using it. I'm going to create a whole new, full, diverse ecosystem with races on it and everything and new plant life. Okay, yeah, I might have to sign, go through some paperwork, you know. Especially if you want people to help you do it. Right, yeah. Yeah, because personnel is always going to be, you know, talent. And personnel is always going to be your most valuable resource. Okay, so the point is that not everybody was at the same level. Okay, and not all worlds were the same, too. Because some worlds, as you mentioned, Trav, they were um, agricultural worlds that were primarily run by robots. Yeah. And then there were other worlds where they were leisure worlds where people just basically, it was just like, you know, going to camp every day. Yeah. Okay. And then there's other worlds that were high tech amusement parks where the whole place was just crazy, you know, uh, exciting and was visited by tens of millions of people every day who come in for a day, have some good time and, you know, leave and go home, which might be millions of worlds away you know, time you know, time and distance is a little bit weird when you're talking about dimensions. But the point is, is that they, you know, they just had a day trip to this world. Yeah. And then you had the the Tamelern home worlds, which was more of a cultural thing, where people were, you know, together and and they they formed very strong communities and and they lived with each other and uh, you know, so those were like the home worlds, like whole uh, forests of. Termellorn home trees, just like yeah, which are billion which are you know, millions of acres, yeah, yeah, and a home tree basically is a sentient uh, arboreal creature that modifies itself to match the person and personality of the people who live within it. Yes, and uh, they they're we've had a lot of fun with those. There's also worlds where they they literally have big game hunting with giant beasts that that are are bred there for you to do that with. I mean, so there are blood sports in the Tamilian culture. They're not all just, you know, uh, you know, it's not, not a, I mean, yes, if you go and say, I want meat, the meat you get might be manufactured. Okay. Yeah. But it's going to be exactly the same as if you cut it off of a living creature. But if you want to go hunt creatures, well, okay, because even if, even, are, even if you're in this post-scarcity commonwealth, right. there are still certain biological drives that mammalian creatures have. That's why, you know, our culture goes hunting. We still have that primal need to stalk the creature, you know, kill it by whatever weapon we have, you know, bow and arrow, black powder, gun, whatever, and, you know, get it back and have it butchered. That primal need is still there. So right. the Termellorn and the Commonwealth would have the world. It's like, okay, yes, you realize the meat we give you that when you ask for it normally, it's 
the same. It's just you're, we're, we gave you a place where you could, you know, satisfy that blood urge a little bit to, you know, get the meat and bring it back home yourself. Yeah. So right. I'm but sure there were whole worlds. Yeah. Yeah. But it might not be like you're saying where you go on, you do go out and hunt it. But you you could do it with a gun, or you could have your mind transmitted into the in, into the head of a T Rex, and you as a T Rex goes out Ooh. there and hunts other dinosaurs, drives to the ground, tears tears their jugulars out, and feasts on them as a T Rex with all the sensations, including taste and everything else that a T Rex would have. They could do that. They could do anything. That's why I'm saying that they lived like gods. Okay, and they expected everything that they wanted, ever wanted, to be right there in front of them whenever they wanted it. You know, we talk about ourselves as being the microwave generation. The 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 Commonwealth was the ultimate microwave generation. Oh, okay, I get the the thing. Like, I want it heated and ready to go in like you know a minute and a half. Yeah, instead of two hours of cooking. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you know, these are the these people would like take instant coffee. Okay, put it in a microwave. Turn the microwave off and scream, hurry! <laughs> God, <laughs> but they, it takes, I mean, they, yeah, takes a minute? They, they weren't oh all adrenaline junkies. I mean, it's just, that, like I said, they were just so used to everything being at their beck and call. They were like the Persian, the royal family where, you know, all you had to do was look at something and somebody who was paying attention to everything that you did would realize you were looking at and run over and get it and bring it over to you. And you didn't even have to say what it is that you wanted. Yeah. I mean, that kind of intuitiveness. You know, I mean, and, and that's built into smart systems and things like that. So these people are living like gods. The biggest problem that they had was is these people wanted to bring in more races, add to the Commonwealth, add to the diversity of the Commonwealth by going to using the fringe paths because every world, well, not every world, but most of the worlds that we're talking about were all alternatives of Earth. And so the Tamelers thought they were all Tamelers. Yeah. And they wanted to bring them all in and make the and, and share basically infinite diversity forming, you know, uh, the ultimate culture. Yes. So not every every world was capable of easily coming into the Commonwealth. First of all, there were like three criteria that they they had for anybody to be part of the Commonwealth, uh, which I, we don't need to go into. Right. Uh, but they didn't, a lot of worlds didn't have it. So they would, what they needed, they needed some way of bringing them mentoring that world to bring them into the Commonwealth. And so they created a shape-shifting client race called the Meller to be those guides, to basically go to those worlds and never take the form of the leader, but like the person who advised the leader. Power and, behind the throne. So right. The, let's and see the slowly best. guide them into, you know, greater and greater levels of civilization. Let's see, the best way to describe um, a vizier. Yes, uh, the uh, chamberlains. Yeah. The you know, th those those people. And, you know, because, you know, the uh, and if necessary, because they were shapeshifters, if necessary, they could do the same thing for any number of sides. Um, if and if one side needed to become the dominant one, then they figure out ways of of uh, basically making that happen. All right. So they create this client race called the Meller and everything was hunky dory. Everything was fine. OK. Until somebody got their grant, as we mentioned, and they and they basically they created a race called the Kegak. 
And the Kegak were based upon a uh, the dinosaur race. They were uplifted Dinonychus dinosaurs. Right. Yep. But they wanted to see, you know, wanted them to develop naturally. So they didn't tell them that they'd been created. They just let them, you know, develop. 10,000 years later, people, you know, the, the, the researchers show up and say, hi, we've got news for you. And what were that news? Basically, this they came and said, uh, yeah, hi, you are a creation of a race known as the Termelern, and they are leading a commonwealth which has a million, million worlds, and we'd like you to join that commonwealth because, you know, we all are interested in peace and brotherhood. And the Kegak looked and said, no, we were created by the great Kegak in the sky. We don't know what you're talking about. And the Melor came and they said, no, you were created because some Termelern in a lab got his lab grant money. And they took it badly. Yeah, the Kegak government wasn't necessarily fond of that, but they now, all... we don't know if every all the Kegak felt that way or whether it was just a splinter group within it. I, I would they... think that it was just the government because they wouldn't admit they wouldn't probably remember the key, from what I understand the Kegak had what was it either two or three world wars they fought and then they geared up for a fourth but they did they they decided to get their act together and yeah. having a a cohesive world government is one of the three criteria for one the of the common- criteria is is that you armed you were you you were able to arm yourself for an, a war but you decide you not decide to decide not to yeah that's one of the criteria for getting into the Commonwealth. And the world that government you... is the second one. So they had two right there. And that's yeah. when the Melor, who had been watching this race all this time, you know, made itself known to the government. Right. And So the point is, is that that group, as, as they, they have in War of the Worlds, slowly and surely made their plans against the Tamelor. Well, because and... they realized that, wait a minute, if, we're, if we were created by this Tamelor race, so were the Melor. And the Melor are their servants. We have to free our brothers from our brothers from servitude we can't have them be just the the step and fetch servants that they seem to be you know that they're acting like so yeah so they essentially uh it was like a bioengineered virus yeah they figured out a way of basically changing the programming the mental you know wiring yeah of the meller so that the meller would would uh, would be fully capable of choosing whether or not they were going to serve the Tamelor instead of it being basically wired into them that they did. The problem was is that, you know, like all things, the law of unintended consequences, it basically made them homicidal murderers. Yeah, basically how I described it, I, I explained this to my girlfriend today. They basically did a 180. They went from lawful good to chaotic evil. Right. <laughs> and, and their greatest goal in life became to destroy the commonwealth for which they were created. Yes. So they made their plans and and the war went hot. Well, you know, they, from, okay, from what I understand, they were they infected the Mellor on the Kegak world and then they, you know, go tell your brethren of this and of course the Mellor virus was went because the Melor, I'm sure that they communicated amongst themselves just by the touch telepathy they had and that's how the virus was spread. So as, you know, the virus is spreading among the Melor and then they're going back to their worlds and, you know, I think it's within like 48 hours once the Melor infection hits, it, it takes over within a couple of days and the Melor... Oh, just, yeah. 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 So, you know, these Melor are all going back to their respective worlds that they've been stationed at and they start affecting history. They start doing stuff behind the scenes to destabilize these Commonwealth worlds. And I well, guess... Well, they, they, they prepared for a, a, a first strike. 
against the Commonwealth. They knew that if they just, if they, you know, randomly went and attacked, you know, destroyed their own world, that that someone would clue in and, and find out why this happened and realize that something was up. Well, so they, some, that's the thing. Somebody did. Somebody found out that a Miller was doing stuff they weren't supposed to, and that's when the war went hot. Right. right. Well, that eventually is what happened. Yeah. yeah. But but so they weren't a hundred percent prepared. So that's only. So that's why they didn't lose a hundred percent of the worlds when that happened. But it was. They still lost what? Two hundred and seventy million Earths in the in the war were either. I think it was forty percent. Yeah. Forty well, percent of them were destroyed. I, I for some reason I remember, and I think it was from French for the D twenty that it was like there was a set number two hundred and seventy million yeah. worlds. Were we, either... we create. Yeah. I mean, we worked worked through it when we yeah. did the, when we get. Game. But the point was that it was a big number. Yeah. Okay. And it was so big that and and they used the big system to deliver a lot of the you know damaging blows that they did. I mean, they literally like grabbed grabbed moons and smashed them into worlds. Yeah. Okay. Because as Meller, they had full access. They mm-hmm. were the you know they they were basically the the trusted lieutenants. Of the of an entire of the entire Commonwealth. It's like no giving. Even... It's like giving, and I'm not trying to incite anything here or infer anything. It's like giving the vice president the nuclear codes, and then he decides to snap, basically, or like you know, a member of the cabinet of the government giving them the nuclear codes, and then they just decide to snap. That's yeah. how how deep it was. The Melor were made by the Termelorn to basically run these worlds from behind the scenes to to push them along. So they had the utmost privileged information in the Commonwealth, and they shared it all amongst themselves whenever they would touch and communicate. So they had the ability to just bring about Commonwealth and Termellan science to wreak havoc on an as-of-yet unknown level to the Commonwealth. Right, and because of the big system, they were able to act simultaneously across millions of worlds. Yep. Because you know, when, once they saw that this happened, they all knew that it was time, and they all went. Okay, and so the, the devastation was truly mythic in level. Oh, yeah. Entire worlds destroyed, things like that. So the only thing that they could do was they had to turn the big system off. Yeah. Okay. When that happened, everything collapsed because everything was supported by that. There were worlds where they were totally relying on the big system for everything. And those people, you know, they, you know, in some cases they, they, they suffocated. They were, they were living in, you know, uh, beautiful crystal chambers deep under the planet. Okay. Now they had no way out of there and they had no air coming in and they had no food coming in. They had no water coming in because they had no reason to have reservoirs other than maybe to have a pretty fountain that would last them a while. But, if it was like one of these ethereal kind of things, no power. They're doing this now in darkness. Yeah, I mean, it's some worlds just were just utterly devastated just by the fact that the big system was down. People, you know, either starved or turned to cannibalism. Uh, of course, you know, one of the things about the big the the Tamellar was is that they uh, they were bioengineers. So a lot of the tools that they had, a lot of what we would consider to be electronics or other things, were actually living beings that were capable of performing those functions. Well, guess guess what would go first when you don't have any food? Yeah. 
well, since we can't fix our stuff, well, we really don't need this walking wrench anymore. Right. As you're grabbing your fork and the ketchup. Yeah. Right. And then and then if, if by some chance, you know, 60% of your population was one race and the rest of it was a mix of, let's say, eight other races, suddenly those races didn't become so important. Yeah, basically you had majority rule Lord of the Flies type stuff going on. Yeah. Right. And meat's back on the menu again. <laughs> And I'm imagining the orc saying that. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah, That's right. That's oh, right. yeah. And then they finally end up having to eat each other unless they could escape their world. Okay? Well, I mean, if they had the big system, you would think you'd still have the fringe paths. As, as I said, they were the Jeffries tubes. Those right. in the know would be like, okay, we can still, the big system's done, but we can still go out the back door and escape that way. Right. But here's the problem, okay? There's no communication going on between them. The big system just went down. All right, you know the uh, and you and you start sending people streaming out of your world through the fringe uh, uh, onto the fringe pass, which is only 31 feet wide with roadways that are 57, 47 feet miles long, and they. And what do you do? They come out and they run into refugees coming the other direction because their worlds are also screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, every uh, node on the French Pass has, you know, eight alternates, uh, has one uh, one prime, has all, all these, you know, uh, the system platform with all these worlds in the solar system and even the stars. And all these are being affected by this. People are running like crazy. There's no resources on the French Pass. There's no water. There's air. That's about it. There's yeah. air. There's no water. And so people are literally, you know, just warring against each other for the resources they can get their hands on. Trying to, if they're lucky, there's another world that basically is empty. Yeah. That nobody's used for anything. They can go through there. And if, if they're really lucky, it's like, you know, a like a food processing world or well, three thousand years ago, you know, a world you know, uh, uh, North America or something like that. You know, there's, there's, there's trees, there's wildlife, yeah. there's fish, there's whatever, you know, and, there, and there's a chance of people surviving there, okay? But most of the people that ran out on the fringe pass either engaged, became warred on each other just because they, 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 they were afraid they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't be able to survive, you know, or, uh, or because they thought the other people were trying to take stuff from them. And it was just a huge, huge, you know, screw, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, circle, you know, it was just terrible. Yeah. And uh, now even worlds that had local power and food infrastructure, okay, they, a lot of them collapsed due to fighting for resources because they out of fear again. And, and also because they probably weren't 100% prepared to provide all of the food. For well, their remember people. they relied on the big system, which meant to yeah. them food was there. There, there was no. It was infinite amount of resources. Well, with the big system down, all of a sudden your food got real finite, real quick, and you had to figure out, okay, we have enough food on this planet for this many people. Problem is, we have. 20 times the amount or whatever. Yeah. Right. And who knows how to deliver that food? Who knows how to set up a, there may not even be roadways. Okay. Who knows how to uh, package that food? Who knows how to take it from a fish and turn it into a fish stick? Yeah. Okay. And put it out and freeze it. And, 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 and there's no uh, supermarkets and there's no anything. Basically you have huge, you know, big trucks carrying food to various communities and, and literally just trying to hand it out to people and there's and there's a lot of people falling through the cracks. 
And so even even in the, in the best situations that you could imagine, there were still so many people that were you know dying, uh, not getting uh, you know not getting the help they needed, uh, in a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Okay, uh, of course there were worlds in which Meller were actively fighting the populace. They you know either. Uh, they were attacking them in their normal form, or they were taking the form of wild animals and having them attack. Like you see that T. Suddenly, a Mallard just turns into a T. Rex and just starts mowing people down. You know, I mean, there were places where they were they were. Meller to Meller war worlds. And do you think those people had lots of weapons? This is a peaceful civilization. Right. They you know, well, well remember the Termellern, they had forgotten how to fight. They they had everything they needed. So when the Commonwealth turned to the Termellern and said, Okay, we're fighting the Melor here and we they're they're beating us because you made them to know everything you know. You're going to have to learn to make better weapons. So the Termellern did and they frightened the Commonwealth because remember the Termellern the one thing that was their main drive was to create whether it was I'm going to create a new fruit or I'm going to create a whole new ecosystem on a world, the Termellern that was their form of competition. If you remember right. the flavor text in Fringe with the D20, the Termeller was trying to do a mating dance and he was starting to get nervous and all of a sudden he just moved one way and all of a sudden he had like five women come to him because that drive to create, he was trying to create a dance to attract female Termeller. So now right. the term, that was their thing to just the, to create whatever. That was their driving goal in Creative everything intellectual they did. property yeah, of yeah. their civilization. Yeah. And so when the Termeller started making weapons, the Commonwealth realized... Oh crap! That drive is there too. Oh, we might have a chance to win, but it won't be a pretty war. It's going to get a lot worse with what they're creating. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there, and there were wars for resources between worlds using the French Pass. Yeah. You know, and that and you know where one world uh, having getting some stability around the fringe portal would just say, well, we we need to we know that this next world over, you know, be, because of scouting has these resources and we're just going to go and take them from them because we need them. Yeah. And so you had warring going on between the French Pass, between the actual people of the Commonwealth without even the Meller having to be involved. And of yeah, course was, the Meller could be involved. They could be part of them, hiding amongst them, egging them on. I mean, that this is this is what made the Meller giggle, was, was seeing these humans basically hurt each other. Yeah. Uh, and not just humans. Whatever form they took, some were lizards, some were spiders, right. all the possible, you know, biological um, climax species, you know, the intelligent species on the planet, you know, on, on all the different alternate earths, they were all fighting each other, you know, uh, having to deal with, in some cases, with terrible xenophobia, where they were simply attacking each other because they were different. I mean, it's just, you just, it, it's, it's the worst possible, the most horrible idea of what war could be like that's what was going on and also you, the Mellor were also remember when the Mellor virus hit it gave them the ability to split and i always mess this up either geometrically or exponentially exponentially where it's one two you know one two four eight sixteen thirty two sixty four and they would that's geometric geometric yes they would yeah. devolve geometrically and you'd have the one master melor and then all of a sudden he would devolve into billions of least melor was the lowest form the lowest form is the least melor and just you'd have millions of them and if you had enough of them they could eat all the animal and plant life on a or what's the term denude it yes where 
They could. They'll eat it down to the bedrock and then go into slumber for millennia. And then 40,000 years. 14? That's what I thought. 40. 40. 40. Oh, okay. 40,000 years. And and somebody wake them up and yeah. And everyone think, you know, I mean, they would go deep, you know, and so people would like, you know, I mean, unless they got into mining and they're like, what's this strange body we found? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and they could wake they could wake up. I mean, they were they could sleep up to 40,000 years, but they kind of had because they were telepathically linked to each other. You know, if someone disturbed them sufficiently, they'd rise up and do it again. Yeah. And just so the Mellor fighting was not just, you know, Mellor leading armies or the Mellor themselves. It would be these devolved Mellor that are just like mega swarms. Right. It just gets worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> now, some worlds actually ended up pretty well out. Of this we we've been told uh that uh all of the expo worlds actually managed to survive the meller attacks okay and what and we're not quite sure why that is i personally believe it's because mel uh, expo worlds were worlds where all these really smart people these these uh inventors and things like that were bringing their stuff to show other people it wasn't really to sell them because in a work in a universe where everybody can ha- have anything that they want it's all about getting dominance you know saying is that my version of this is the best one it's ba- and it was people- basically a giant ec- they were advertising what else you now can get yeah and and my form of it's better than that form of yeah. it. And if people and more people start using your form of it than another form, then you basically win cultural points. You become more famous. Yeah. Therefore, that's that's your payment. Okay. So there was these expo worlds that had just tons and tons of weird stuff on it. And so when the Meller attacked, you know, by whatever form they did, they actually had. A lot of choices. And uh, these worlds were basically able to, through inventiveness, come up with solutions that managed to basically thwart them. And as a result, the Expo worlds did survive. The problem is the Expo worlds were never designed to be places where people lived. They were, as you as you said, they were showcases and things like that. Yeah. So I think ultimately people who lived there either had to go into some form of, of stasis and hibernation if they wanted to stay there, or they left and would try to try to find their way back to their original worlds, or they essentially, uh, without you know a, a real manufacturing base, they probably just went native. Yeah, yeah. So, but the point was is that those people were actually so much better off than the rest of the of the worlds. That you know, and, and so when we talk about a world that's the most likely to have been able to recover. These might be the ones that are the, are the in, in the in the best shape. That's the ones you know that that I thought had the most chance of immediate recovery. Now the French path again was not capable of handling the sheer number of refugees, and it had no services. And the lucky ones were the ones who got to go to undeveloped worlds and just survive there, which meant that they they had no culture. I mean, they brought they might have had stories and things like that, but their skills would all been based upon super high tech devices that no longer existed that they probably couldn't even take with them. You know, they might have you know some stuff with them, the equivalent of of a backpack full of gear, but that's not gonna you know if it's made out of uh, if it's biological. You know, it it may die. You know, it may not last forever. And though, so in a couple hundred years, you might end up with nothing. You know, just living. You know, like cavemen. And sometimes when they went to worlds, there were people already there. So it was essentially the equivalent of colonization in in our world, 
where they just basically said, well, you're, you know, you're, you're not part of the Commonwealth. That means you're inferior. We'll just do whatever we want to do. And they would just mow them over and take over and do whatever. And before you know it, that, co- that, that population is now a slave, slave race to them or even, even utterly destroyed like we did to the uh, Neanderthal and a, a number of, Indi- of Native American tribes yeah. here in America. Yeah. So, I mean... These are, you know, I, I, I don't want to paint the Tamellers as being vicious. I mean, uh, the Commonwealth people as being vicious or anything like that. But, but it was a matter of survival. That's all it yeah. was. I mean, yeah, well, they and, were all immortal. They wouldn't die from age or disease, but they still starved. They still had thirst. They still needed air, and yeah. so they still had to. Fu- they all of a sudden they went from being gods who could, you know, snap their fingers and have anything they wanted to damn near animalistic because okay, right. we have to fight for daily food, water. Right clean air, um, shelter, you know, we, we now have to work up for these every moment. We just can't just snap our fingers and have it anymore. Oh, look, here's this world. And yeah, we can make all that now. And you can imagine the mental strain that had on people, how some people would become so depressed, they would commit suicide. There might even be a whole huge, you know, with uh, uh, a uh, Reverend Jim suicide packs were just whole groups of people. Jonestown, said, this is, yeah, yeah. This is you know this uh, eternity is not not isn't worth living if I have to live like this. Right. And they would just check out. Yeah. You know, with with whatever skills they had. So you know it. We you know uh, some of us understand how closely our 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 skills are linked to each other how we need the support of our society and these people are have just been that's been ripped out from underneath them uh, my job uh, is to be a computer programmer okay somebody has to set up the network i don't know how to do that someone has to provide the electricity i don't know how to do that someone has to manufacture the computers i don't know how to do that i know how to write programs in languages and draw data off of remote systems that aren't even on the property okay and produce reports that get pe- that they then use to get people to do important things yeah, for me, it, it, it's like I work in an auto parts warehouse. Well, people have to make the parts. They have to make the boxes that the parts come in. They, you know, yeah. I'm in the chemical section, so I, there are people that have to make the chemicals in order to, you know, the lubricants and all that and the, the solvents and for other sections of my warehouse, you know, people have to create the batteries and the battery ass and all that. So, yeah, my job, like Bruce's, is interdependent on other people who are far yeah. more skilled than me. <laughs> But see, at least in your job, you're, you know, warehousing is something that people are always going to need, okay? And I could say that, well, yeah, but manipulation of data is something that people are also going to need, too. But the specific way that I do my job would, would probably vanish. So yeah. it would, I, I would, you know, I, I'd, well, I'd have usually to come up the with... higher forms of tech would go first in a societal collapse. I mean, just... Right. Yeah, I mean, if you Television, radio, all those things would have to be reinvented because people were used to only doing the high-tech way. Right. I mean, some people, they're like, what's this AM stuff on my... Exactly. On my radio. I'm sure there's people that have never, ever listened to the AM radio. Yeah, like... Sounds bad. If I were to... Yeah, if you were to talk, and I'm not... We're not generation bashing here at all. No, not at all. Because we don't want... Remember, Bruce is about 10 years older than me. We don't need emails coming to the fan page going, or what's the meme now? Okay, Boomer. No, um, (laughs) we're not generation bashing, but 
I'm sure that there are probably some younger people out there today that have no idea what AM radio is. They think that's what my grand, that's what my dad said his grandparents listened to. Right. I mean, Bruce and I know about it, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are some people today, you know, they might hear FM radio, you know, that they're there in their car with their parents, but... You know, they'll hear, like, a Detroit station, AM 950. It's a news channel. They go, what's this AM radio? I know yeah, what we, FM is. And so, yeah. What's FM? We use we use satellite radio. Yeah, right. Sirius XM or whatever. Right, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's I'm just saying, it's some people, and, and we're all removed from the, you know, the, the, the roots of our technology. The closest we get is if we have a garden, you know, and we're probably going out and buying our fertilizer in a box. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and and we have no idea, you know, where that fertilizer would come from if you were in a, in a world where they didn't have manufacturing plants to fix nitrogen, you know, through chemical means right. and, and create and create artificial fertilizers. So the point is, is that these people didn't know anything. I mean, they, they had great skills and stuff, but their skills were no longer useful. And there wasn't even anybody probably... It was going to be very, very hard for them just to find have, find people who were who were interested enough in primitivism to help them be able to build a life that they could sustain. Okay, um, they would so, have uh, the, the, their best bet would be probably oh, if we go to this world, yeah, they, they would be slaves. The the indigenous people would become slaves. It's like okay, we are coming here, we're taking over this world. You people know the world, you know how to get your food. We're going to take part of your food because we need to survive. All right, so. Things are bad. People are trying to flee worlds because there's no food there. People are, uh, you know, warring on each other. Things are uh, inside their own worlds, also across the fringe paths. And the Commonwealth is trying to solve this problem because they're still engaged in warfare with the Meller in on the worlds where they weren't utterly destroyed. Because the Meller haven't given up destroying the Com. They don't want anything to be left. They want them all to be dead or, you know, or or or, or, or dying off somehow under their thumb yeah so yeah well yeah uh and uh so the commonwealth decides to turn on the meller defense on the fridge pass which is if it detects the biological signatures of a meller because the fringe portals are very smart it will do a hundred points of of heat light you know damp like plasma damage every round until the, there's nothing left until it's the the meller is totally vaporized now if you think about it that's not that much i mean it's a lot in any game system you want to play but it's not that much there are ways of mitigating that you could put like a shell around you that might be able to ablate and you could actually use it to go across the fringe bed. Or some of these creatures were so durable because they were generating that they could take 100 points the first round and turn around and jump back where they came from, but jump back onto the fringe pass. Because if it had been a million points, then, not, then as soon as they came through, they would have been utterly destroyed. Right. And that tells me that the that to Mellorn were trying to save their creations. Well, because there were also good, still good Mellor out there, and they wanted those good Mellor to be able to not be trapped. So that they were and, trying trying to save right. a few good Mellor that were left. But not only that, the Mellor weren't evil. They were sick. Yeah, yeah. They had been, you know, their programming, their biological programming had been damaged by the Tamellorn virus. And I'm making air quotes here. <laughs> and, uh, so the, to the Tamellorn, they were, they, 
to uh, Malor means beloved children. Yeah. So, I mean, take that really to heart. So destroying the Malor root, and uh, which the, the Commonwealth wanted to do because of the tremendous damage that had been done to them, that was like not what the Tamelor wanted to do. So I'm pretty sure that they limited the amount of damage that the anti-Malor system did to give them a chance to get back to the world they came from or even possibly make a manage to run across to another world, but not utterly be destroyed just by walking through a Okay, by this time, you know, the Termeller and toning down the Meller defense, is this when the electrical, magnetic, anti-nuclear and fringe-worthy filters were already kicked in, or is that later on? I think that, I think that came later on. I think okay. the very first thing that they did was they said, we've got to stop these Meller from going from world to world and causing more trouble. You know, we just so we just need to keep them on the worlds they're on if they are, and they turned yeah. that off first. Then, because the Meller could just simply send people through the portal, humans, to go and fight against other worlds, you know, for resources and things like that, and they uh, uh, they needed to stop that warfare as well, and so that's when they started saying, well, we're going to turn off electricity on the fringe paths, and anything that's nuclear, like nuclear weapons, if anybody's figured out how to make those, okay, those are going to... Uh, those are going to go away. They're going to get turned to lead or whatever their most stable form is. You know, all those things, you know, were done to stop warfare on the fringe pass. Yeah. Okay. So I think that came afterwards. Okay. All right. But, and, and the Tameller was probably trying, uh, were trying very hard to just, you know, to, to basically dig themselves out of the hole of being the architect of these creatures uh, that and, had and and that they in it that they created the key gag too. They were trying to right. stonewall well, that's the thing, every investigation. Uh, yeah, you know, they're they're doing this stuff to go and try to bring the 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 Commonwealth back, and they're trying to save everybody, including the Meller, and they're getting some traction. And then they find out that the Kegak, another another group, another race that they uplifted, and they tried to hide their crime. Yeah. And when the Commonwealth figured that out, that was that was the breaking point for their relationship to the to the Tameller. You know, really bad things happened to the Kegak as a result of that. And the Tamellers, uh, were the, the people from Tameller Prime were basically banned from the Commonwealth. They just said, we don't want you as part of us anymore. Your help is not help. Just get out of here right now. And the Tameller were pretty pretty miffed considering the fact that they had cr- literally created the Yeah, it's like we created this and just because of this you're going to kick us out never mind you're using our weapons to fight the Melor okay yeah and so they said fine that's, that's when they want? okay that's when they turned on the fringe worthy filter okay well yeah that's when they turned on the fringe worthy filter and also to keep the people warring because only one out of a hundred thousand now can go through to another world it's not just a matter of them not using you know because they because they always devolve back down to to, to, to axes and swords. This way, only one out of 100,000 could go to another world, so they could only the best scout those other worlds and convey information back and forth. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, they were doing it to try to keep these worlds from just finally collapsing. Unfortunately, it also cut off any escape for refugees. Yeah. It also eliminated any mass relief support from nearby portals. So there were a lot, again, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, they also changed so that the access to programming was limited to the local level. So because the Tamelan engineers that are known in the game are not actually T-Primer, and they don't have the root access that the T-Primers had, so they literally had to go 
platform by platform, yep. node by, by node, portal, yep. node by node to go and change. Because we were always saying, why did they just push through a fix and just fix everything? And the answer is because the Tameller, you know, first of all, they didn't want the Meller to have the same capability. And secondly, they just wanted to make sure that because they were leaving, you know, they still felt they still had that that patriarchal or that father mother like responsibility to this commonwealth that they created. They essentially said, we're leaving, but we're making sure that. We're taking the car keys with us. <laughs> taking their ball and be, going home, you're, yeah. You're, you're going to be stuck here in the house, okay? Yeah. We're not going to be there, but you're not going to be able to just go around and run wild without us. So Okay, and th- th- at this point, th- and this is something else I explained to my girlfriend when I explained what we're doing with the podcast here. The Termelon went back to their home world, Termelon Prime, and their Prime platform, okay, we all know the Prime platform, all the platforms on a node are exactly 613 feet across. No, the Termelon Prime platform was the surface area of Earth's moon. So there were millions of portals that are on this that they could go to... Darn near anywhere on T-Prime. Well, the T-Primers decided, we're not only leaving, we're taking our planet with us. They moved their planet 40 light years out of their solar system. So, if anyone were to try to come after the T-Primers, you know, just on a minute, it's like, yeah, I'm still honked off of these guys. We're going to take the battle to them. You step off that platform, you're in space. Yep. So, yeah, the T-Primers really kind of stuck it to anyone who still might wanted to be, um, to give them retribution for everything that they had done, you know, invite, inventing the Melor, inventing the Kegak, hiding all of it. If anybody yeah. wanted to try to, you know, get in a parting shot against them, the Termelons kind of had the last laugh. Or, you know, to, to say, oh, we're so sorry, please come back. It's like, nope. You made your decision. Yep. Live with it. Made your bed, lie in it. Yep. And they and, and because the the Tamelor and the T primers, they lost an entire continent in this war. That's it right. It wasn't like T-prime, they prime, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like they didn't suffer from this. Yeah. But you know, they but they never lost you know, lost the idea that they're respons- they were responsible to the Meller and could and should not just abandon them. But when they were forced to because of the fact that the the rest of the Commonwealth turned so utterly against them, they did everything they could to give everybody a chance to survival by literally locking them back into their world. Yeah, through the friendly filter, and that's when the Meller made their big attempt to 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 basically thwart their 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 creators, and they released the logic bomb to try to basically bring down all those these changes that the the Meller had made to the fringe pass. And they failed. But it randomly locked and unlocked portals all over the Fringe Pass. And it also randomly turned on the advanced portal features that were things like the portal like is now up in, in the atmosphere. Yeah. Or you walk through the portal and your mind is transferred into uh, the a body little, of, of, of a native. Or you're uh, ethereal. Or, or you are you gain you know you, your body becomes you know a thousand degrees even though to you you're perfectly normal so these these portals became known later on when earth you know uh, started exploring the fringe past as problem portals yeah but in fact this is that they were just features of those portals that were only supposed to be activated by people with the proper amount of training and skill but they were already on. And they got randomly turned on and off all over the place. There's one of the portals that's on Earth. If you walk through it, you get set on fire. And knocked unconscious. Yes, the Rabina Sansi portal in Libya. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad deal. And that was what happened when the Mellor released her logic bomb. And, and that's one of the reasons why it took so long for the to Mellor. It took almost a thousand years for the T prime engineer, not the T prime, the Tamellern engineers to find their way close to earth where we basically, um, uh, they ran into, uh, Oates. Well, Schmert was the name of the engineer. Yeah. He ran into Captain Oates, who was from earth. We'd found one of the portals and he was fringeworthy and was trying to figure out what is this strange place out there. And they struck up a friendship and sent him back to uh, tell Earth about what had happened. And he had an accident and died. Yeah. And a hundred years later or so, he was rediscovered by See. the present-day present uh, Sanuri uh, Tanuma yep. uh, and her uh, on her uncle's expedition to the Antarctic. And the rest is basically the starting point of the game. Yes. So somewhere along the line, the Meller discovered that they could take the, if they took the form of a fringe worthy and personally carried a crystal, they could defeat the anti-Meller pathway defense. There's no good way of, of conveying this information to another Meller. They had to do it on foot portal by portal. So some worlds you go to, the Meller are very much aware of that. Some portals you go to, the Mellor don't know anything about it. Some portals you go to, there's no evil, there's no infected Mellor. There's just old Mellor, and a lot of worlds, there's just nobody at all. Yeah. So that brings us up to the modern day, ten a thousand years after the um, the, the breakdown of the uh, uh, Commonwealth, the breakdown of the Commonwealth, which probably happened very quickly. So you know, how long did it, you know how long before the was the, was the free fall? It's hard to say. I don't really know. It would it would vary depending upon the resources of the world, how populated it was, how much damage the Meller were doing at the same time. So what we when we talk about what's how, whether any of the Commonwealth worlds have recovered as of the start of the game, it it's like I said, it all depends on how, on where they ended up. How far did they free fall before they finally got some traction? But there's a few strategies for survival that I think were very likely is what happened. So I think the first thing that happened was probably most of the Commonwealth worlds abandoned their internal lo interior locations and relocated to the coast so they could fish for food. Yeah, so let's say if you had a Commonwealth world with you know that was geologically the same, those on their North America would have left the Great Plains and the Rockies and even you know the Midwest, and they would have went to the East Coast, West Coast, the Gulf Coast, the Great Lakes, and they would have settled there because plenty of fish. Even in the Great Lakes, there's plenty of fish. Right, because and the, the, because they're getting their food not from this world. They're getting their food from the big system, okay? And and if they are getting any, any food from this world, it's, it's from sport fishing and things like that. Yeah. So that means that all the overfishing that we see in our world is not happening back then. All the the, the, the oceans were full of, of whales or whatever biological creatures had developed there different than ours. Fish were, would, be, would be in full supply. And so these people, you know, doing the equivalent of the Trail of Tears from wherever they are at, marching to the coast, people dying along the way from various reasons, dying from from uh, from diseases because they don't know enough about keeping clean when they don't have the ability to wash themselves. 
not having enough medical personnel because there probably aren't enough dock boxes for everybody that's for them to carry them. Yeah. You, you know, these people are essentially walking from wherever they are to the coast and hoping that when they get there, the people who already live there are will accept them in and be prepared to receive them as refugees and feed them and clothe them and give their life purpose again. So that's what I'm saying. I, I really think that's a very likely thing because there wouldn't be great herds of animals unless, of course, they make preserves for them because, you know, most people would probably be living on big estates and maybe they have some animals, but not to the extent in which, you know, it would have been hundreds of years ago on Earth. Yeah. To support that many people re requires, you know, uh, I mean, even on our world like that, we have factory farms. We have all kinds of things, you know, uh, mechanized um, uh, crops and things like that. And those exist on farming worlds and, and uh, to provide food to these worlds. So these people weren't engaged in that. They probably didn't even know how to do it. So these people, they had the food that was already in their pantries and they got the message somehow through the government, possibly by just driving vehicles from one, you know, uh, uh, from one place to another and just saying, you've got to leave, you've got to head for the coast. And so they did. And uh, from that point, they would become a, a basically a seafaring world for a while until they could do better. Of course, they lost, you know, they lost, uh, they probably lost resources, you know, they, that kind of overload, you know, manufacturing centers that were in the, in the, in, in the not on the coast are not providing those supplies that the coast needs now. So their their systems are strained and failing as a result. But how far, again, how far did they fall? I don't know, but they, pro they probably didn't fall so far that they couldn't feed themselves. Well, it's it, it matter, what was it that the, the architects said in the second matrix? There were levels of survival they were willing to accept. They right. had to learn just as a matter, and I'm sure there was a lot of trial and error they had to relearn those survival skills that these quote-unquote low-tech cultures did. And they probably looked down upon them. It's like, yeah, we have the big system. We can, you know, push a button and the certain the button that we push reads our minds because, you know, it's Commonwealth tech and we have the stuff right there in front of us. These people actually pick up a weapon and hunt. Ha, ha, ha. And they had to realize, okay, this one video we saw in this one world where the natives actually hunted for their food, you know, they might have had to dig up the old videos to say, okay, how do we do this? Just right. to survive, yeah. Right, and and millions of people are going to have to figure out how to do this, too. As they're dying, which means they had to learn in a hurry. <laughs> right, right. Now, some people, you know, figured out the fact that not every things that didn't look like food actually were food. So there were people that would embrace eating insects as food. And yeah. you know, because there's whole, there's cultures in our world right now that consider fried locusts to be a delicacy. Oh yeah, grasshoppers and all that. Yeah. Right. And and um and they they did a whole thing on Saturday Night Live one time. They talked about gray meat and yellow meat. <laughs> yeah. Not just red meat, even white meat. Okay. <laughs> And uh, the gray meat was worms. Various... Why am I reminded of Why am I reminded of the Chris Rock bit from Bring the Pain? I don't eat red meat. I don't eat no red meat. No, don't eat no green meat. <laughs> yeah, 
even well, though the green means probably bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. With some of these animals they had out there in the on the fringe paths, there might be animals with green meat. You know, just saying. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Different biologies occurred on different worlds. But yeah, right? the, I mean, if you want to sit there and talk about uh, some embrace eating insects and animals with dis- yeah, two uh, one one name. Anthony Bourdain, you know the stuff he ate on his specials. <laughs> Just, right. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is that those people would probably say, hey, we don't have to run for the coast. We can There's actually, you know, we have all these um, open uh, recreational spaces that are full of ant colonies and and uh, things underneath of uh, carefully lo- uh, ecologically oriented rotting logs and things like that. Yeah. And they, they said, we can eat that. And which they could, of course, those are all very carefully maintained ecologies. You go in and start eating everything in sight and suddenly those ecologies are now being destroyed. Yeah, because let's say you had this one bug which pollinated flowers. You know, let's say they started eating the bees. Right. Now remember, they, take, they find a beehive. They take all the honey. Yep. They don't think about the fact that the bees need the honey to live. The bee colony basically breaks down and and and, and dies. No honey. And we've and and folks, we've already found out that if here on our Earth, if the bee dies, if the the honey bee goes extinct, humanity is dead in four years. We've already found this out. That's why you got people like Morgan Freeman taking his entire home property and turning it into a massive beehive farm. So, yeah, I mean, if if these people start eating anything that they think, oh look, this is an animal. Or this is a plant. Yeah, we'll eat this to survive. They're doing it to survive. They're not looking at the long-term ramifications because they've dropped to that level of survival. F it, I'm eating it because I want to live to see the next day, considering how our entire society and culture across the Commonwealth has collapsed. I'm concerned about the here and now. Right. And they're going to sit they... there and eat these. They're, let Okay, let's say there's a rot grub that eats decaying matter. Well, let's say the people on the, these these former Commonwealth people start eating these rot grubs because, hey, it's food. Well, then all of a sudden, you're not having the stuff that's decaying be eaten away, and so that's going to cause problems with the ecology unforeseen by the Commonwealth because all this stuff was carefully maintained, and now they've eaten all the rot grubs. Right. So, yeah, there, there's... But what's the term looking and, for here? Domino well, effect. Right. Well, they're, they're basically breaking up these essential uh, things. Now, of course, if you have an ecologist there who understands how this is all put together, they might say, okay, fine, you're eating the rock rubs. That means you've got to get come out here with a hatchet and start chopping up this tree into little flinders and spreading it around so that, you know, uh, things like mushrooms can start growing on yeah. it and things like that. So you're going to have to make up for what this rock grub was done for himself. You know, but that requires somebody knowing that and conveying that information. You know, he's this this expert, you know, they they may not even have any form of communication at this point. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.